Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got a former producer at ESPN and current host of the Sports Spectrum Podcast, um, Jason Romano, with me. So thanks for being here, Jason. It's great to be here, Bailey. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little bit of context in, in your story growing up in upstate New York and what that was like. Yeah, a little town called Ravina, New York, which is about 12 miles south of Albany, the state capital of New York, uh, and grew up and lived there for the first, I guess, 27 years of my life. And, uh, you know, between different stops and other places, of course, in college. But yeah, I grew up in a small town. Parents were divorced when I was about five or six, have two younger brothers. Um, sports was everything in our lives. And when I say everything, I mean everything, playing it, watching it, um, keeping stats and notebooks, reading and fighting for the sports page in the morning as kids growing up. Uh, It's funny, I just sent my daughter off um, on her last day, last first day of school in her senior year of high school. And it made me think back to when I was a senior 30 years ago. And uh, it was really fascinating to kind of think back to those early times and being a teenager and thinking about where I was going to go next. And at 17 years old, all I cared about was graduating high school, getting out of there and going into college and learning as much as I could about broadcasting uh, and potentially maybe a sports career someday in the media. And that's, that's what it was growing up really. I mean, I I had, we all had our, our trials and our difficulties. You know, my dad is an alcoholic and um, has had some issues, a strained relationship with my brothers and I when we were growing up. So we had our our difficulties, but for the most part, it was really just a kid who loved sports and wanted to have as much fun he could with sports at the center. Yeah. And talk about your two brothers. You said you grew up with them and was competition pretty evident in growing <laughs> up within sports? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm the oldest of, of three. Okay. And so at first I'm naturally going to be the best athlete because I'm the oldest. So when you're like seven, eight, and nine, you're doing things that the four and five-year-old can't do. Sure. Uh, But then they catch up to you. And uh, my middle brother, Chris, is two and a half years younger than me. My little brother, Damien, is four years younger than me. And once they got to middle school, my brother, Chris, uh, bloomed very quickly, let's just say, in his age. He hit uh, puberty at like 10 10 years old. He had a mustache. (laughs) 10 and a half, you know, little peach fuzz mustache. And I didn't have any of that. And I was just 13. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he looked older than I did, even though I was a teenager and he was still, a, you know, an elementary school kid. So he, he grew quickly and then he kind of leveled off when he got to high school. And him and I were the ones that had the most battles because we were around the same development. My little brother, it took him a while. Uh, okay. I was in college by the time he developed, but now he's the most athletic and strongest in our in our family in his mid 40s he's doing amazing things but my my middle brother chris was always the the superstar athlete like he was a three sport athlete played varsity sports as a sophomore in all three 
sports, basketball, baseball, and football. Started as a sophomore as a quarterback on our high school team and uh, went to college and would have played college if he didn't mess up his shoulder. So he was the, the superstar athlete, broke a ton of records in high school. I played, okay. I played sports. Uh, I was a high school basketball player, played a little bit of high school baseball, um, but I was not the athlete he was. And I didn't have really a lot of guidance into how to be a better athlete too. I had some natural gifts, but not enough to go into like a big college program or get recruited or anything like that. That's why I turned to broadcasting because I yeah. figured if I can't play it, I can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So was your favorite sport or was it baseball or was it basketball or? Favorite sport to play was probably, especially at a younger age, baseball. But as I got older, basketball was yeah. my favorite sport, a sport I played even into my forties, just recreationally. Sure. And, but my favorite sport still to this day to watch is football. Football. Um, I watched it when I was five or six. I fell in love with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm now 48 and I'm still in love with the Dallas Cowboys. That's, that's, that's a good love right team. there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hard love right now. I yes. mean, you, it's like, you know, you're going through some tumultuous times with your, with your uh, you know, your significant other in the relationship. That's kind of where I am with the Cowboys, but I'm, yeah. not, I'm not divorcing them. That's not going to happen. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. do you feel like growing up playing sports, did you learn a lot of things that still apply to life today within just dealing with people and competition and things like that? Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm so glad that I played. And, you know, that came from my dad, even though we didn't have the greatest relationship. He loves sports to this day. We still talk a lot about sports. Um, my grandfather, who has since passed uh, about 14 years ago or so, he loved sports and he was, uh, you know, always there with us as kids, coaching us. Um, even I remember him at like 65 years old, catching us while we were 10 years old, throwing pitches to him and he couldn't even bend over. Um, <laughs> But we would always watch games at his house. You know, the Mets and the Yankees were always on uh, in our house because we lived in New York. And, you know, on Sundays when it was football time, we got got around together in the living room with my dad and my grandfather. So, yeah, sports was always a big part of my life. And I think I learned a lot of things. First of all, it, if you take it too seriously, um, it can divide you. And it's not it should never be serious enough where it's dividing you. Um, ironically, Bailey, for all of us, we, we all rooted for different teams. Uh, you know, most families kind of pick one team and root for them and they gather together as a family. Uh, my family did not do that. My family, uh, rebelled, I guess, in many ways. And the only team teams that any of us root for is my dad and myself rooting for the Boston Celtics. That's it okay. in baseball. In football, I root for the Cowboys and I root for um, the Mets. My dad roots for the Cardinals and the Giants. My other brother roots for the Eagles and the Pirates. My younger brother roots for the Reds and the Lions. We okay. just rebelled. <laughs> we, we rebelled. And I wish we all, I mean, we're as close as ever. My brothers and I were best friends and we text all the time and do these live streams and stuff just to have fun. But we, uh, we do not all agree on sports. Um, yeah. But I learned pretty quickly that I can't let a Cowboys Eagles game divide my relationship with my brother as much as we will root for each other's teams, you know, passionately. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that lesson. I, I mean, obviously, the obvious lessons that are there as far as teamwork, as far as being able to understand that your role is important, but it's not the only role. Everybody has to kind of play their role. So play it well. So there's that. I think coaching, as I've gotten older and watch how, 
how the impact of coaches have on, on players is so, so important. Um, and then the difference in culture, right? And, and how, how you respond when things don't go well really defines you. And that's not just sports, that's life. And, uh, you know, some of us, it can crumble us. It can really mess us up. And others, it helps, you know, develop perseverance, like it says in the book of James, and really helps us to kind of move forward in a, in a way that's pretty awesome. So there's a lot of lessons in sports. We could probably spend five hours talking about that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, obviously. But you learned a lot through those experiences and, and you had your brothers around. So it was a kind of a family dynamic. You're always involved in sports. And you talk about playing and you didn't feel like you're going to go on to play at the next level. But how did you wind up deciding to get into broadcasting? Yeah, I think it was that level of, of play in high school where I realized I love to play. I just am not good enough. Um, and I probably could have you know, spent a thousand hours shooting shots every day and doing all those things. But I really developed a love for broadcasting in high school. And uh, I didn't broadcast anything in high school. I just watched the games and I really took a note on how much I love sports, um, how much I studied it, uh, remembered, you know, names and stats. And I mean, to the point where I knew the year that every player in baseball was born because I read the back of their baseball <laughs> card, uh, even the backups and the bench guys. So that was something I'm like, what can I do with that? Because I'm not going to go into um, being this handyman. I'm not going to, I don't want to really be a teacher. Um, I don't want to, you know, there was a, a million other vocations that I could have gone into, but I said, you know, what? I think broadcasting is the place. I think media is the place. And thankfully in my freshman year, I went to a community college outside of Syracuse and from day one, they threw me into the fire. You know, I went upstairs to the radio station at the community college I was at it. I mean, I was still 17 years old, almost turning 18. And I said, I want to do a radio show. And they were like, yeah, when do you want to do it? And they, <laughs> I had filled out one paper and they put me on the air like day three of my freshman year of college. Oh, man. And I did a radio show. I didn't even do a sports show, but I was just so happy to to get into broadcasting and media and to do something that I wanted to do in college. And really it's, it's that year, that freshman year of college when I started to scratch that itch pretty big and realized this is what I would like to do um, as a job, as a career, if God was willing to let me do that. And uh, thankfully he was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if, if you grew up around uh, Jim or Fredette's maybe 10 years later, you could have shot those a thousand shots with him every day. <laughs> but, Seriously, uh, I needed yeah. somebody to be, to be, you know, that devoted to the game. Like, like, I don't even know if I was, but just to see that would have been great. Sure. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, that was my thing was I, I was a shooter. Um, I didn't yeah. have a lot of mass. I wasn't really big. I'm about six one. Uh, in high school, I was probably 160 pounds soaking wet. So yeah. I was pretty skinny. Um, so it was really you know, shooting outside. And it's funny, our senior year team was so bad. We were three and 17. And I was the seventh or sixth man, on, you know, on the team, one of the first guys off the bench. But they had me at power forward and in some cases center. Really? Um, I just told you I was 6'1 and 160 pounds. Uh -huh. We were playing against guys 6'3, 6 6'5, 6 6 6 and 200 pounds plus. And yeah, that didn't end well. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. When I got to college, I started developing my jump shot pretty well and I was like yeah I'm never going to be a power forward or a center ever again I just want to be a swing man <laughs> yeah absolutely that's awesome well so, you say you go you go to community college get a chance to be thrown in the fire essentially yeah into broadcasting which in some ways is, is some sometimes the best way to learn it's just learning by by trial and error 
Um, mm-hmm. But how did the process evolve to where you started community college? You have these opportunities to be involved in broadcasting and the media and things like that, and then transition into uh, later on in college and obviously into ESPN. Yeah. So the first two years, I mean, I was so young, right? I mean, I started my freshman year of community college at 17, graduated at 19. And um, even when I graduated and you kind of think, oh, I graduated, I got it made. And then you remember when I look back, I was 19 years old. Like I had no idea about life or anything at that age. You know, I was just trying to figure things out. Um, but it was really those first two years that I, I got a lot of experience, um, not experience as much that transferred over into a job, but just being able to understand that this could be a career, uh, taking classes on radio announcing and, you know, lighting and audio and just learning the ins and outs of, of all of it. Right. And, uh, and like I said, being thrown into the fire was huge because I did that, that radio show for two years um, I also did broadcasting uh, on the campus radio station for basketball games, for even high school football games. We did some broadcasting for the college basketball team. Um, so it, it was a lot of fun experience. Uh, I wasn't very good, if I'm being completely honest. I've seen some of those tapes. Uh, <laughs> I got to hide them because they're not, they're not very good. But it's funny, when I was 19, I graduated, and I really didn't know where to go or what to do. Um, I thought that I could just start my career there and it didn't work out. Um, I remember my first job after graduating from community college was working at Toys R Us uh, and stocking shelves. And I'm like, all right, this isn't really what the broadcasting (laughs) degree that I got is going to be used for. Then I got a job at Albany Medical Center in Albany uh, working at a hospital. And I was answering phones, telephone operator. I was um, inputting data into computers and things like that. And it was great because it was a full-time job. I had benefits and I moved out into my own apartment at 20 years old, but there was this sort of pivotal moment. And I write about it in my book about, I had, I had, um, the best man in my wedding is a guy named Eddie and, uh, Eddie and I had known each other since we were six. We went to high school together. We even went to the community college together. He played and I broadcasted his games. We lived together in in college for two years in an off-campus apartment. And then after we both graduated, we moved in together again into a regular apartment once we got full-time jobs. And he was working at a bank and I was working at a hospital. And, you know, it was great to have this independence at 20 years old and live your life, you know, in your own apartment. And I can't believe, by the way, that a landlord would give a two 20-year-olds their own <laughs> apartment um, and trust them to pay the bills. But he did, and we did. Um, but I remember a moment halfway through the year with him, and he was sitting on the couch, and I was walking by, and we were just talking. We talked a lot about kind of life and what would we like to do someday and marriage. And and uh, I said to him, I said, I, I don't think I want to be at, uh, you know, a hospital technician or whatever I was, information technician or a telephone operator forever. Like that is not the job I want to do. I don't want to be 30 or 40 and be, you know, stuck at this hospital because of a, you know, of a a paycheck. And he said the same thing. He's like, I really don't want to work at a bank forever. And uh, we made a decision right there that we were both going to go back to college. So we each took two years off then went back to college in 1995 as juniors. We transferred over our community college degrees and we both went to four-year schools. He went to a Southern Vermont and I went to State University of New York at New Paltz 
and we both pursued our dreams. He wanted to work in PR. I went and worked and pursued a media dream. And that's where it started getting real. When I got to my four-year school and I hosted a sports talk show and just was really involved in learning, you know, I had set some goals academically to do well, which I wasn't a great student. And I got a 3.0 GPA once and I was in my junior year and I was like, that's amazing. I can't believe I got 3.0 and I worked really hard for that. And I was just focused on getting out, you know, going in, learning as much and then getting out. And I graduated at 22, almost 23 years old and was just ready. I was just ready. And, um, you know, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was ready. I had my, my two years under me. I was a little bit older, a little bit more mature and ready to start my career. Um, and that's when, that's a whole nother story we can share here if you want, but just yeah. getting my first job in radio out of college was not easy either, but I yeah. did, uh, at WGY in Albany, New York. And that's what started my career. Okay. And go into that because there's a lot yeah. that we could talk about just what you said, but you know, how do you get your first job in radio and give people the backstory because it's not easy to, to just hop into positions. I mean, some people might be fortunate to do it, but you got to put in the work to go find a, an opportunity. So what yeah, was that like for you? It's good. It, it was hard because I wish looking back, you know, I didn't have mentors and guides and we didn't even have really great access to anyone like we do today. You know, the internet was, was very much in its infancy. We were using the internet, but it wasn't being used to connect with people at that time. It was only being used to just gather and inf gain information. So you go to the ESPN website and see, you know, who won the game or whatever, but it wasn't this connecting thing uh, in the way that social media and everything else changed the game, you know, a decade later. Um, so when I graduated, I hadn't done an internship, which I wish I did. Um, I kind of did an internship, I guess, but it was post-grad, you know, and, and when I got out of, when I got out of college that year, I got a job as a marketing director. It wasn't even a director. It was like a marketing position at, um, you ever go, I'm trying to remember, it's called Certified Marketing Reports was the name of the company. And it, okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of like mystery shopping or anything yeah. like that, where they hire people to go and, you know, scout out a place and kind of report back um, what they, what their experience was like. That's what this was. This was yeah. not broadcasting, but it was a job and I needed a job out of college. So I took that job, but around June 1st, like two weeks after I graduated, I said, I, I'm not going to do what I don't want to do. I, I want to find a job in this business. Even if it pays a dollar an hour, I need to work in this business and get experience and I'll live at home if I have to. So I got my resume together and I made this trek one day in June to drive around to all the radio stations in Albany area, in the Albany area and drop my resume off. Whether they had a job opening or not, I didn't care. I just figured this is, this is something I at least have to exhaust every single effort possible. And I drove to WGY in Albany, New York. It was the first station that I stopped at. And I walked in and this older lady is there at the desk. She's probably my age now, but at the time <laughs> she felt a lot older. And she's, she's at the desk and she just welcomes me and says, hello, how can I help you? I said, hi, my name is Jason. Um, I would love to work for your radio station someday. And I wanted to give you my resume. Is there anybody I could talk to? And she said, no, there's not really anybody I could talk to, but I promise that you can talk to, but I promise I'll pass your resume on. 
But then we talked for like a couple of minutes. She asked me a couple of questions about where I grew up and why I wanted to work in radio. And I just said, it's been my dream since I was 16. And uh, I want to, I want to start, you know, a career in this business. And so here I am. Um, I don't know why, but that was the only radio station that day that I went to. And I was going to go back the next day and drive around. And I got a call the next day from the marketing director at WGY asking me if I'd be interested in coming in and doing some volunteer work. Cause that's what I told them. I said, I'll do anything. I'll volunteer. You don't even need to pay me. I just needed experience. And, uh, I got a call the next day and she explained to me like a little bit of what her role was, which wasn't really aligning with what I wanted to do, but I didn't care. I just wanted to get in the building and she was super nice. And she said, Hey, we have this opportunity tomorrow at the, at the mall where you can dress up as our mascot and greet people. Would you be interested? It actually pays $40. And I said, yes, whatever <laughs> it takes. Very first paid job I ever got in the business. No joke. <laughs> Bailey was being Rocky, the river raccoon representing the river 99.5 WRVE in Albany, New York, got paid $40 sweat, sweat through that disgustingly awful uh, mascot costume. Um, but I'm glad I did it. But then the next day I remember going back and I volunteered maybe three days a week for a couple hours. I said, is there somebody in, uh, in the production side that I could talk to? They introduced me to this kid named Mike Augustinak, who was younger than me, but had been there a couple years. And he really mentored me and took me under his wing. And I moved pretty quickly from marketing into production, which is what I wanted to do. And he taught me the ropes. He had me um, board up a couple of radio shows and sit in on tons of experience, uh, tons of shows that got me experience. And that was volunteer work. But by the end of the summer, a position had opened up and I applied. And I, as I understand it, I almost didn't get the job because uh, it, it was literally not paying hardly anything. But I went in and I remember telling the guy who hired me, Tom Parker, I said, listen, Tom, I, I don't care what this pays. I just want to work for you guys. I just want a chance. And thankfully, he gave me an opportunity. Um, the job was seven bucks an hour. No joke. Yeah. Uh, 50, but it was salaried. So it was about $15,000 a year with a chance to move to 16 after six months, which was funny how they put that together. <laughs> but I didn't care. I would have done it for 50 cents an hour. I really would have because I just wanted to work in broadcasting. And it was intimidating at first, but I was so glad to have that experience. And that internship, if you want to call it that, that post-grad internship was what got me my first job. And uh, I worked there for three years before I went to ESPN. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that story because it's great to hear the context behind how people get to where they are, because it's not some, it's not always a linear path as well. And it's always the question is like, are you willing, are you willing yeah. to, to do work behind the scenes where you may not be paid? You know, and I love the story back to when you first started uh, at 17, when you're at community college, you talk about, you don't want to see those things out there, but at the same time, yeah. you started like that. You, you took a step, you did it, you started and everyone's got to start somewhere and it just keeps building and building over time. And secondly, yeah. you're in your office right now. You need to take down Dabo's, Dabo's uh, <laughs> picture up there and you need to put yourself when you're in your mascot out, outfit right there. That would uh, be I pretty there ideal. Are no there are no pictures of okay. that. Um, okay. So there's no proof. This is all going on my memory. Um, okay. I'll have to remember who the marketing director was and see if she remembers too. But that was it. It was, uh, there was, 
Let me just put it this way. There is no evidence that this happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Okay. Uh, I, at least I hope there's no evidence. If there's a picture out there and somebody has it, send it in. But I'm pretty sure it does not exist. It was yeah. 20, 24 years ago that that took place now. So I hope yeah. it doesn't exist anywhere. <laughs> it's It's got to be in your office if they find it. So. Anyway. Absolutely. I'll blow it up just like that picture of Dabo yeah, behind me. <laughs> absolutely. So talk about how you get to ESPN. You know, you started in, in that job and uh, things are probably going well, but how do you, how do you wind up at ESPN? Like what, what's the process look like to get there? Yeah. So there's, there's steps involved with every process, right? And for me, it was that step in college, that step coming out of college. And then when I got to WGY, you know, that's a news talk radio station that I was hired to be a producer. So I produced the morning show. I produced the afternoon show. I eventually became executive producer of the station. Um, but it was news talk. It wasn't sports. And so at some point, I thought, all right, what does someday going into sports look like? And I still didn't think ESPN was, was possible. It just seemed so far out of reach from what I was, I guess, hoping and dreaming and maybe even the experience that I had. I thought maybe working in the local television station in Albany for their sports department would be good. Um, and then quite honestly, I thought we would probably, and I say we, cause I had just met my wife and we were dating as I started this career. Okay. And I remember telling her there's probably a good chance we're going to be living all over the country because a lot of people who work in this business kind of go from city to city to find their niche. And they're only there for a couple of years and then they move on to another place. It's very rare that you would be at a place a long time. Um, so I warned my wife on that at that time and she was fine with it. She gave me the go ahead. And in 1998, I'm going to give you the long or the short, this long story that is short version because it could take a long time okay. to get here. But in 1998, just six months after I got this job at WGY, I was perusing the internet on a website called allaccess.com, which is still there. And it's a broadcasting radio um, sort of industry website that tells you about, you know, what's happening in the world of radio, who got new jobs. And then there was a job openings area. And I remember one day in probably March of 98, there was a job opening for an ESPN radio producer in Bristol, Connecticut. And it said you needed five years of network national radio experience. And I didn't have six months of local radio experience. <laughs> but for some reason, I applied for the job online. And maybe it was because it was online and it literally took me 45 seconds to upload my resume or put in my resume or whatever you had to do. Not thinking anything of it. Seriously. I mean, I was like, this, nothing's going to come from this, but why not? Well, lo and behold, about two weeks later, I got a call from ESPN, from a guy named Len Weiner. He said he's the uh, uh, program director at ESPN Radio. And he said, would you uh, like to come in for an interview? And I said, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, let's go. Um, I hope I was a little more composed than that when I sure. actually told him yes. But we got in the car and my buddy John, um, who was probably one of my best friends at that point, um, he came with me. We took the drive to Connecticut. There was no GPS, so we were holding a Rand McNally map and trying to figure out how to get to Bristol, Connecticut, which is only two hours away. And so we took the drive and we made it out to Bristol. And uh, I went in there and interviewed for this job. But I could tell right when I sat down with Len that I wasn't going to get this job. 
because he kind of said that right away. He's like, listen, it's clear you don't have the experience for this role, but you were really intriguing to me and I wanted to kind of get to know you a little bit. He took me on a little tour of ESPN, the offices there, and uh, pretty much set, set, made it clear that I wasn't going to get this job. Uh, but he laid out like a path that could potentially lead me to a job someday. And he actually said, hey, maybe there's only some part-time opportunities, but we might be able to have you and use you to, to work with us if you're interested. And I said, yeah, please, let's stay in touch. And it was a good conversation, probably 45 minutes, and then I was out. And I tell people if that was the end of the story, it still would have been a great story because sure. I got to go to ESPN and interview for a job. That's how much uh, I love that opportunity. Like ESPN was my life as a, you know, from 1990 to when I started working there in 2000, like that's all I watched. That's all I cared about. I knew everything about ESPN. So it was great to go interview. About two months later, I got a letter in the mail, which I still have somewhere in my attic that says, Jason, we regret to inform you that we've gone a different direction and we are not going to be able to offer you a position working with us. And I knew that was coming, but it's funny to get a letter like that in 98. So I just set my mind on the job and radio that I had at WGY and got promoted to the morning show producer and really just had so much fun doing that job that, um, you know, I wasn't going to complain that I didn't get a job at ESPN. You know, I got engaged to my wife. Eventually, a year later, we got married in November of 99. And then March of 2000 comes, and the same exact job is listed again on the website, the same exact website for an ESPN radio producer. And for the same reasons that I did two years earlier, I said, well, I got nothing to lose here. Let me apply again for this job. I get a call back. This time it's from a guy named Keith Kowalski. And he says, Jason, um, we got your resume. We understand you were here a couple of years ago. We'd love to bring you in for an interview. And obviously I said, yes, I went in. And I remember um, right away, the vibe was different. I knew that they were legitimately interested in hiring me. Now, I still didn't have the actual experience that they were requiring. I only had two years of local radio experience. They still were looking for four or five years of network experience. But I could sense right away that they were still very much interested in me. And we went through the interview process and, uh, and they liked me. Um, they called me back after I left. And well, here's also why I knew this process was more legit. I interviewed with five different people okay. as opposed to just one. Sure. So I was like, oh, this is serious here. This is legit. In fact, yeah. one guy interviewed me and all he did was quiz me on my sports knowledge. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is great. Let's you passed, talk. yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, that was where I was like, if I don't pass this, I don't deserve to work at this place. Sure. <laughs> and about a week later, I got a call and they said, it's down to you and one other person for this job. And I tell people all the time this story. That's either the best news or the worst news that you could hear. Because you know you're down to the final two, but you also know that someone else could get that job and you could be left out in the dust. And... So they tell me that, and I remember telling my wife that I didn't um, know what was going to happen, but that you know ESPN was pretty interested in, in hiring me, it looked like. And she came back to me and she said, listen, they're not hiring you unless they pay you $38,000 a year. They're not hiring you unless you know they pay for our travel or moving out to Connecticut. And I started thinking, I'm like, man, my wife is pretty harsh here. I, I'm, I'd go there for five bucks an hour. Like, what are we talking about? But 
she was pretty adamant and I understood why because our family was in New York and if we were going to move away it had to be for you know a real big opportunity well a week later they call me back and they say listen Jason we don't normally do this but the two people that were up for this job you and the other person we want to hire you both so we're going to offer you both an opportunity to work at ESPN and they don't do that I mean I was there 17 years and in 17 years I didn't see anybody else have a situation where that was the case. Mm. If you have one job opening, you have one person that you can hire, not two. Somehow they were able to hire both of us and uh, they made an offer and he calls and he's like, listen, I got the offer for you. It's $38,000 a year and I will pay for your moving to Connecticut. And I just said yes right away. (laughs) And uh, you know, I, I tell people it's probably a good idea to discuss these things with your wife before (laughs) you agree to a job that's going to change your life. But, um, but I said yes, and then I went back and I told my wife that I took a job at ESPN, and she said, "I told you they had to pay you thirty-eight thousand. I'm like, "Honey, they offered thirty-eight on the nose, and they offered to pay for our moving expenses, just like you wanted, <laughs> without anybody having any conversations here. That's how it worked out. Yeah. And my wife just started crying because she knew that we were going to be moving away from our families to go to Connecticut for this career. And that's how it started. Like I said, it's a long story, but I think it's a good one because it shows all of the little things that had to go right and take place in order for me to even get to ESPN. Mm-hmm. And I got there and it was quite the run for 17 years. Let's just put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why it's so great to hear kind of how you got there because there's so many little details behind on the backstory of just getting there. And obviously you had a tremendous career there. Talk about your time at ESPN what that was like and obviously talk a little bit too about your faith and how that kind of you know shaped again at ESPN and kind of transitioned to what you're doing now yeah the faith part um didn't exist when I got to ESPN uh, at that point I mean we my wife and I grew up Catholic and we went to Catholic church a little bit but it was I would say we were very nominal um we were uh cheesters if you will Christmas and Easter okay. and that was about it um occasionally we might go on a Sunday morning uh, but faith wasn't really there. Um, I, I, that was going to church for us was just kind of like checking a box, uh, and feeling like if we went, you know, that was like our good duty of the week, but we didn't, neither of us knew about what it meant to have a relationship with Christ or being all in for Jesus or anything like that. We had no idea. Um, but you know, even when I got to ESPN, my, and I had just gotten married, our focus was so much on, um, or my focus, I should say, was so much on my job that I neglected my marriage in some cases. I'll tell, I've told my wife that, and she knows that too. We also worked different hours. Um, she was a 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. I was a 2 to 11 Monday through Friday, in some cases um, Sunday through Thursday. So our hours weren't conducive to really spending a lot of time together early on when we got there. Um, so the weekends were precious and we made sure that we spent as much time we, as we could on the weekends to do things. But then in mother's day of 2001, um, my brother introduced me to Jesus and I said, yes. And, uh, I can tell that story in a long form sometime or people can go find it somewhere else. But that day changed my life, um, because it was the beginning of this walk that I've been on now for 20 years. But then I had to kind of go back to ESPN as this new Christian who was beginning to learn about faith and I didn't really know how to mix the two together. Um, I still thought when I go to work, I'm a producer at ESPN. And when I come home and when we go to church, I'm a Christian. 
And so for many years, um, ESPN still remained probably my number one priority, my God. Um, I would tell you at that time, my wife and God were a priority, but really ESPN was number one. My wife and certainly eventually my daughter coming in were also a huge priority. But um, ESPN was was like a God for me. I mean, I was going to drop everything I had to do whatever I had to be successful there. And listen, I had amazing experiences. I'm not taking that away. I just had my priorities kind of out of whack. Um, but sometime in 2009 or 2010, um, I got this question from a coach named Tony Dungy. And a lot of people, if you know sports, you know who that is. He and I were together at ESPN for a day. And he was intrigued by my Christian faith and knowing that I was a Christian because of some of the people who knew him also knew me. And so he asked me a question that day that changed my life. He just said, Jason, um, how do you live your faith out in the workplace here at ESPN? And I said, I don't know if that's even possible, coach. And I could sense my answer was not the one he was looking for. He's shaking his head and kind of like, hmm, let me give this a sec before I respond here. And before he could even respond, Jessica, his assistant, walks in front of him and looks at me and just says, Jason, um, you don't get it, do you? You know, what's wrong with you? Don't you see where you work? This is a place where you can go and be a light for Christ everywhere you go. And what a mission field you have for, with 5,000 people here working at ESPN every day or whatever the number is. You have to bloom where you're planted right now. Uh, God may call you away someday, but until he does, you're to bloom right here where you're planted. And that really changed how I went about my job at ESPN going forward. It wasn't an instantaneous change, but that bloom where you're planted line stuck with me for a long time. It probably took me about another year until I understood that my identity, which we hear about a lot in the Christian space, your identity, my identity could not be found in ESPN because it wasn't going to be forever. Clearly, I don't work there anymore. Sure. My identity couldn't be found in ESPN. My identity had to be found in something more secure, something that was forever, something that was eternal, and that was Christ. And it changed this, this it really, the way to put it was it, it was like a quarter turn on how I viewed my job, Bailey. Like I still knew I had to go in and do a good job at ESPN, but suddenly I went in there, not as an ESPN producer who happened to be a Christian, but I went into work as a Christian who happened to be an ESPN producer, who happened to be a dad, who happened to be a husband, who happened to be a whatever I was at that point, you know, a church attender. I had to understand that Christ had to be the center of my life and everything else flowed from that, including ESPN. And so from that moment, I really understood how I could use my job as a way to I don't know about reaching people for Christ, but certainly sharing Christ with people by the way that I go about my job, by loving and serving and caring for people, by, um, you know, putting others first, which is very hard in the workforce when we're so cutthroat and want what we want and want it our way. Uh, and I'm not saying I was perfect in doing this, but my whole mindset and my whole heart every single day going forward was how can I serve this day? to be a reflection of Jesus. For many years, for the first 10 years of my career at ESPN, it was always, how can Jason climb the corporate ladder? And if I serve some people in the process, great, but I really need to serve me first. 
And so just changing that title, right, from ESPN producer who was a Christian to Christian who was an ESPN producer, it changed everything. And that's how I kind of approached it going forward. And that really was the start of what would eventually lead me to leaving ESPN. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've heard a story too about you going to, you started getting a role as a, a kind of playing out with social media at ESPN. It was just kind of on the forefront. You started that and you went to a conference yeah. that really kind of shaped, shaped you. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. I just No, you're uh, exactly right. <laughs> but you went there and you had this experience where you, you met a guy named Brad Lomanek and you had some questions and, and talked about uh, what that mm -hmm. looked like living that out. And obviously uh, just Real quickly, share on that because I know we, we need to kind of wind down here pretty quick, but just talk about that that conversation, that experience, and then just trusting God throughout the process. Yeah, so in 2015, I was having what I would say is my worst year at ESPN. And it wasn't that my work was bad, I would say, but it was just that I wasn't getting along with a few people. I was trying to find my niche. Where do I fit? You know, I was 30, what was I in 2015? I was 42 years old working in social media with a lot of people who were much younger than me. You know, the 20s and 30-somethings, the millennials, those people were all in social media. And I was kind of this older statesman who certainly hopefully had some wisdom and some experience that I could bring to the table. But I was just not clicking with some people that I was working with. And I was kind of like, man, this, this is a tough time right now for me. I'm not liking this at all. But at that same time, I got invited to a conference to speak at in Nashville. And it was a small gathering, about 100 people. And it was a Christian conference about social media strategy, how does churches and nonprofits and faith-based organizations use social media to enhance their message. And I was the only one who did not work for a Christian organization or a nonprofit that spoke at this conference. Everybody else was pastors, um, people who worked at, you know, faith-based leadership organizations, churches. I was the only one. Um, and I could sense right away two things. A lot of people were interested in what I was doing because I worked at ESPN, but I was just as interested in what they were doing. And I realized, wait a minute, there's people who have the same skill set, the same goals, the same desires that I have in my social media world. And they have the same thing, but they're doing it for something, what I think is something greater, like to share the gospel. And I thought about that and I was like, man, that sounds so intriguing. I have no idea if I would ever leave ESPN to do this, but really, really interested in learning how that world works. And then I remember having that conversation with Brad Lominick, like you mentioned, who is a, a really a leadership guru in, you know, in the world. If you just look him up, he's written two books on leadership. He's a consultant. He led Catalyst for years. Brad is the real deal. And I sat with Brad. And I talked to him and I said, am I crazy that I think I might want to leave ESPN someday and kind of follow God's call in my life? And he said, you're not crazy, but be careful. And I said, well, why should I be careful? What do you mean? He goes, if you leave ESPN and it's God telling you to leave ESPN, he's going to knock your socks off. He's going to blow the doors wide open and you're going to be so blown away by what's going to take place. And I said to him, I said, uh, well, how is that possible? Because this is ESPN. There couldn't be something that much better out there. Obviously, my faith in the Lord is strong, so that was great. But I'm like, I don't even know what he's talking about here. Let's just say Brad was right. Yeah. He was right. Because a year and a half later, I took the leap. I left ESPN. I went to work for a ministry called Sports Spectrum. 
which is media, right? It's everything I ever learned about for years, but it's also ministry. It's taking stories in the sports world, intersecting it with their faith in Christ, and now sharing it with whoever will tune in and check it out. And that's the Dabo Sweeney picture behind me. If you're watching this, that's the cover of Sports Spectrum in our fall 2021 issue. So that's just another example of the stuff I get to do and work on now and really put into practice the things that I learned for years at ESPN, but to do just like I saw at that conference to do it for a greater purpose. And that's what I've been doing now for almost five years, which is crazy to think about five years now working with sports spectrum, but that's what I've been doing. But the, the side note on this Bailey, and I'm sure you'll mention this, but I got to write two books. I got to go speak and share and kind of tell my story to thousands upon thousands of people over the last four and a half years since I left ESPN. That's where Brad was, I think, spot on about the doors blowing wide open. Mm. I kind of knew what would happen, or at least had a sense of what would happen in the media space because I knew that world. And I knew we were going to grow sports spectrum. Um, I didn't know it would grow as quickly as it did. And I know there's still a huge ceiling for us to grow there, but I had no idea about writing books, speaking, um, mentoring, you know, working, you know, talking to colleges and helping them through um, some of their students through different, th I didn't know about any of that. And that's all of that that took place within this last four and a half year span. So it wasn't just sports spectrum, which listen, 95% of my time is devoted to sports spectrum. And I love my job there, but these other opportunities are things that I never even dreamed about, especially the fact that there's two books behind me sitting on a bookshelf with my name on it. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? No <laughs> way. But that happened. And that's where Brad was spot on. And he was right that God has blown my socks off the last few years. And it's, it's been amazing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an incredible story of what you're doing now, but also just the having the faith and the trust to step aside from something that's familiar, that's something that's common uh, to stepping into something, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a little bit unknown, um, yes. but you feel called. And I think, you know, also a little quick point too. I remember hearing that, uh, you know, you took a big pay cut to step into the job that you're doing, which 40% Bailey, 40%, 40% pay cut to step into an, another job that, you know, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty. It's something that's different. And I think that that is a story in itself on just, trusting God, having faith. And when you feel called and feel led to take those steps, because, you know, if some people might feel called and led, but they're not willing to take that 40% pay cut to step into something. But just as you've seen doors have opened in so many ways that you never maybe expected or anticipated to open up because you took those steps. And obviously that doesn't happen without a supportive wife too. So that's, that's a big big important oh absolutely well. that's huge but i would say too even those stories that i told you about how i got to my first radio job and how i got to espn even though i wasn't a christian then those are experiences that all kind of took shape and came to fruition when i left espn even though i was leaving on faith and i really was trusting god i knew that it was okay to go into an uncomfortable area and let the chips fall as they may in this case, let God lead you in the way that he would lead you. Because mm -hmm. he did that with me a lot in my career. And I, I really didn't, I haven't talked a lot about this and haven't really, you know, spent a ton of time until recently understanding the steps that were ordered, even when I wasn't following God in my early part of my career. I mean, the fact that I would ever get that job at WGY just by interning as a volunteer 
when they had probably somebody else more experienced. That's crazy. The fact that I got the job at ESPN without the experience that I had, with the fact that it was down to two people and they hired both of us, it was the number of my wife. There's so many little variables that had to take shape for any of all or all of this to kind of happen to lead me to where I am today. And so I'm not afraid to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, I married a woman who, who likes comfort. In fact, most women like comfort. They don't sure. like to be messed around a little bit. They like what they like. And I'm one of those guys where it's like, let's try it. Let's see what happens. If it fails, we move on. But what if it doesn't fail? Mm. Let's try it and let's see where it goes. And um, that's really kind of been something that I've been able to do for a long time. But now I know where that let's try it kind of mantra comes from. And it's really my faith. And like, I know that God has complete control of whatever I want to do. So if it's not meant to work out, it won't work out. And that's okay. But sometimes you got to try it and see if this is God or if this isn't from God in order to kind of know what direction to go to. Absolutely. He'll affirm it for sure. So, Absolutely. Yes, he um, will. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to your story real quick too, you know, the things that you talk about those experiences, you're working hard, you're being diligent at your work, you're developing relationships, you're being a good person. And so you don't excel unless you do those things in the moment, bloom where you're planted in each, each opportunity that enabled you to get to where you are today. So anyway, it's yeah. an incredible story. <clears throat> Excuse me again. But uh, the, um, two questions as we kind of wind down, is there sure. a certain piece of best advice you've ever received? And what would that be? Best advice I ever received? Um, I didn't get a lot of great advice. It wasn't that I got bad advice. Um, I think it was more about people believing in me. You know, finding one person that would believe in you and kind of invest in you you know, and when I was in college, um, you know, there was a couple people in, uh, in the radio station that believed in my sports show and invested in me. Keith Spillett is one of those guys in college. I love Keith and he believed in it and he got, he got behind me and helped me start that. You know, when I got to WGY, you know, I mentioned Mike Augustinak who helped mentor me, Tom Parker, uh, the great Don Weeks, the legendary radio host, all of those guys invested in me and believed in me at 23, 24 years old, and really just poured into me both as a friendship, uh, as a person, but also, you know, in broadcasting. You know, when I got to ESPN, those early days, Keith Goralski, who hired me, I tell Keith all the time, his nickname is the mayor, because he was born and bred in Bristol, Connecticut, and had a career at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. So we called him the mayor, but the mayor, I mean, he gave me my shot. And he invested in me. Pete Genesini and Justin Craig early on at ESPN invested in me. You know, when I got into the middle of my career, people like Carol Mayer invested in me. Lisa Stokes invested in me. Um, and as I got older, you know, when I was thinking about leaving ESPN, I think about guys like Steve Braban and even uh, Bob Lee on ESPN, one of the on-air guys. Like they all took a, an interest in spending time and investing in me. And even now I still have that with my job at Sports Spectrum, you know, and Steve Stenstrom who hired me and Raymond St. Martin who took a big interest in investing in me early on. And now Howard Hayworth and John Ackerman and Aaron Sauer, those people all invested in me and I want to invest in them too, but I'm not doing any of this without their help. So I don't know if that's really one piece of advice, but my piece of advice from that would be that this journey that you're on, whatever journey you're on, you can't do this alone. No matter what it is, you can't do it alone, whether it's your faith journey, heck, even your marriage, you can't yeah. do it alone. 
you and your wife need other people to kind of watch and learn from. Um, and then eventually you can pour into other people who are watching and learning from you. Um, so find people that you can pour into, find people that can pour into you, find those people that you can do life with every day. And uh, hopefully, I don't know if that's great advice um, that I ever received, but it's great advice that I definitely observed and have watched over the years that I've been doing this. Absolutely. Well, this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? Building excellence to me means every single day, starting your time with God. It means every single day doing the best you can. Um, and again, I've failed at that, certainly, yeah. but doing the best you can. And we hear that a lot. I did the best I could. And I think we say that, but we don't always do that. I think we can always look back and say, yeah, there was probably a couple more things I could have done here and there. Yeah. Um, but when I say do the best you can, I mean in all facets of life. Um, there's a lot of people who do great work, but that whole home thing is, isn't going so well. And that's not excellence to me. In fact, that's the opposite of excellence because if you're doing great at your job, but your home life is a mess, that's not excellence. That's, I don't want to call it failure, but that's, that's a problem. That's, yeah. some, that's some mixed up priorities there. And I was there, so I know that. But excellence to me is doing the very best you can with God at, at the center. I think yeah. that's what it is. That's awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time and your story. There's so many powerful lessons and um, insight within what you just shared, which is incredible. You also have written a couple of books like you spoke about, Uniform of Leadership, Live to Forgive. So definitely check those books out. They're, they're powerful, great lessons, great insight. Also, you have Sports Spectrum, the podcast, which if people haven't uh, tuned in and realized that at the moment, then they need to because it's a fantastic podcast with so many great people and, and lessons and stories from their life about faith. Uh, um, and so there's just a powerful um, thing that you're doing at Sports Spectrum. And it's pretty cool to watch and see how God has definitely affirmed you stepping out and trusting him. And we're just so thankful for what you're doing over there at, well, as Sports Spectrum. So I appreciate it, Bailey. Thanks so much for having me, yep. giving me a chance to share my story and uh, keep going, my friend. I appreciate you. Thanks. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.